Welcome back, everybody. Happy Friday. We are, well, we're steamrolling through the month of September, and it has been a busy month. Typically, we see a lot of announcements this time of the year, and that is absolutely holding true. We've had an Apple event, we've got a Microsoft event, we've got, we're on the horizons of a Google event, but I digress. We will dive in here. Hopefully, you're having a great week. Let's get to the news. Uh, Microsoft pushed out a big update for to do this week. They overhauled the UI, they did a bunch of good stuff. If you're using that platform, uh, which is free, and so if you're paying for a service, you could try this because it's, well, free. Um, it's got a much better look. It actually looks a lot like Wonderlist. And yeah, that that's a big big deal for a lot of people because a lot of people loved Wonderlist and we all sort of know the story what happened there which actually is a little interesting because the founder of Wonderlist publicly said hey I'd like to buy back the application and then laid out a plan with what he would do with it which makes me believe he doesn't actually want to buy it back and it was probably just a PR stunt because why would you say exactly what you're going to do now everybody can go replicate it and copy it and then you just lost your competitive advantage. But anyways, you can go grab that updated to-do app. It is out there as well. Also, if you're using the Outlook app on your iOS or Android device, dark mode should be available to everybody. If you don't see it, you probably need to restart the application, but it should be rolled out to everyone. Uh, if you use your phone on Windows 10, and this is primarily for Android users, um, phone calling now works for a non-Samsung related ham set. Ham? Ham sets handsets so you can now use your pc to dial the digits and make a phone call from your phone but on your pc it's a neat little feature this has been on between macs and iphones for a couple years now it's great to see that transition over to the pc at least for android users now uh, microsoft pushed out an updated update for the invite this week uh, a couple actually was it yesterday about the Surface event, when it was initially announced, they sent out save the dates, and now they've actually sent out the official invites, I'm all registered, I'll absolutely be there in New York on October 2nd, but the event is going to be at 10am, and so this is, this is good news, and this is reading the tea leaves a little bit, but last year, when Microsoft just did a minor refresh of the hardware, the event was at, I believe, 4pm, 4pm which is kind of like after the news hour because everything was a pretty minor refresh except for the new headphones. Um, but it was overall a, a pretty small event. I have been hearing uh, for a while now that this is actually going to be a pretty large and substantial event, not only from what Microsoft is announcing, but from the amount of people that are actually invited to this event. And last year's event was pretty small, pretty small. Like I, I want to say like 25 or 30 people uh, were invited. It was a very small and intimate event. This one I'm expecting to be much larger in caliber. And the fact that Microsoft is doing it 10 a.m., it's kind of a just, I think, boosting their confidence that they've got a good, they've got a good uh, setup here going on. They've got some good announcements coming. And so if you've been following this channel for a while, this is going to sound familiar. But I'm still hearing that we're going to hear see a Surface Pro with ARM. Uh, an AMD laptop, expect that to be consumer-oriented. Again, I've been, I've been saying that for a while. I don't think that's going to be an enterprise thing. Um, I'm Type-C, no Thunderbolt. And there's going to be some other stuff coming. I'm still working on all the details, but that should give you a pretty healthy dose. I wrote actually all that up back in, I believe, June, and it still seems to be relevant. So the event will be live streamed. Of course, the big topics are two things. One, Centaurus, and there was another patent that Microsoft uh, w w was revealed, if you will. They filed it earlier this year, and it shows a much larger device rather than we've seen the Andromeda devices, which just looks like two 
uh, phones just kind of folding together like we've seen from other vendors like the, the Galaxy Fold and Huawei has one as well. Uh, but this device looks larger. It looks substantially larger, almost maybe twice the size in the length. Um, so I, if you look at the cover image of this podcast on YouTube, you will see the image that I am talking about. Um, and I'll just drop it right here too for those that are watching the video. There you go. So that device, I can't exclusively and intimately confirm, but there's something on the horizon. There's been a lot of whispers of, of big reveals, and so that's why I think this event might be bigger. Uh, but it's also, there's just a lot of things lining up to a bigger event, right? The, the ideal time, 10 a.m., uh, more people being invited to this, and Microsoft hyping it up pretty heavily. And so look for, look for a big October event. I'm pretty excited about this October 2nd. That will be happening. I will be there in person. And so there you go. Hopefully that if that patent comes to fruition, it'll be interesting. I'd be very curious to know what you would actually do with a foldable style device. I'm hoping that Microsoft has the answer and that they have a compelling argument for something like this. Uh, as a hero device, I understand its need and presence and Microsoft might be willing to take a little bit of a hit on this to show that they are again pushing, trying to push the boundaries a little bit of form factors, much like they did with the Surface Pro. Myself personally, and, and this is the question Microsoft has to answer, is what is the killer use case for this style of device? Is it Does it have a killer new version of, of the OS? Uh, speaking of the OS, we've been hearing hearing or seeing visual evidence of an overhauled UI for light. There's been a lot of uh, new icons. There's been a new calendar application. Well, the updated calendar application has been spotted. And so is it the, is the benefit of this new device the compelling OS that it's running? Do they have a killer use case for it? Uh, micro that's the narrative that Microsoft needs to solve. And I desperately hope it's not just a device purely targeted at the creative types. We, and I'm not trying to downplay that. Microsoft did that with the uh, Surface Studio back here. But it, it needs to be beyond a, oh, great, you can use Photoshop. The, the problem with that is the vast majority of people aren't Photoshop users. They're just, hey, we browse the web. We play some little games on the web. We use TweetDeck. We use Facebook. We use Google Maps. They need to show the killer use case for the average person if they want to sell this device in volume. Now, if they're not planning to sell it in volume, then only showcasing a niche uh, audience is acceptable, I guess. But that's that, those are the questions that Microsoft needs to answer with a foldable device like that. What is, you know, who who's the target demographic and what is the killer use case? So that is, uh, keep your eyes peeled for October, October, October. October is what I keep saying, October 2nd. Uh, this week, Apple obviously had their big hardware event, and by now you've probably seen all the specs. You can technically pre-order them today. Uh, so here's just a, a couple things of food for thought at the current time. Uh, first off, the Pro Phone, the iPhone 11 Pro, whatever, uh, it's not quite a pro device, in, in my opinion. Is it a bad phone? Absolutely not. The people who buy it will be exceptionally happy with it and it will serve them well for the years to come with a caveat, which I'll talk about here in a second. The thing that would have made this phone a pro phone would be, uh, why isn't there ProMotion display on it? It's still locked to a 60 hertz display. There's no fingerprint reader, which you could argue that Face ID, they don't need it. Okay, I, I can caveat that one, but USB Type-C would be a killer addition uh, to making it a true Pro phone, which basically means that we can expect USB Type-C next year, a fingerprint reader next year, and a probably 90 hertz or 120 hertz display to truly make it a Pro phone. 
the reason why I, I say these phones aren't necessarily future-proof is they don't have 5G. Now, you could make the argument, and, and this is valid, again, and I'll caveat this in a second, that, hey, 5G isn't really widespread. It's not everywhere yet. You don't quite need it on a phone for this year. I fully agree. If you replace your phone every single year, then that's not a, that's not a deal breaker. It's not a big deal, and you'll be perfectly fine. The, the challenge is, is that if you don't replace your phone every year, if you hold on to phones for two years, uh, maybe even three years, like my wife's phone is currently three years old, and we're going to refresh it this year, I think. It's up to her. Um, but in three years' time, 5G will more than likely be the default standard over LTE. If your phone doesn't have 5G right now, it's not going to make that last. It's not going to be as good in three years as it was, say, like the iPhone 7 is right now that supports LTE. So that is the the big challenge here is like if you if you go spend um, twelve fifteen hundred bucks on the high end iPhone Pro in three years that phone is not still going to be pro caliber or even close because again you're missing that that higher display but more importantly you're not going to have five G and so if you're not familiar what a lot of a lot of companies do and and I know this is not the rule and I know that some of them have different spectrums but. What they did with 3G and 4G, right? They build out this 5G network. They really build it out. And let's say it's blanketing everything. Then what they start to do is to remove LTE because they don't need that redundancy. I, I know this is not perfect, but this is typically how it happens over the long haul. You can look at 3G as an example. Once LTE covered everything that 3G did, they started pulling off 3G um, towers because they're, they're redundant. They're not needed. They don't need that backup. That will eventually happen with LTE towers. And if your phone does not support 5G and you're going to hold on to it for three years, maybe even longer, you're going to eventually start to suffer. So just kind of keep that in mind before you go make a big investment in your next phone that I honestly think buying a 5G now is a good way to future-proof, uh, whereas the iPhone 11 and iPhone 11 Pro are not future-proofed uh, in that capacity. Apple Watch 5 looks like a decent upgrade. I personally like my Apple Watch. I very much worry about the battery life of that always-on display. Apple puts out that they can do it at like a one hertz refresh rate for when you're not actively looking at the device. It all sounds great, and as long as it works out the way they say it, said it does, that is awesome. My only worry about that is my watch is now a year old, and I barely can get a day out of it. And so I typically hold on to my watch for about three years. I went from a one to a four, and I'll probably go from a four to at least a six, maybe even a seven. And so um, we will we'll see how that actually impacts uh, battery life. And then Apple also pulled back the covers on TV Plus, five bucks a month, clearly bowing to the pressure of Disney's upcoming service, which will also be five bucks a month. But Disney has a massive catalog. Apple obviously doesn't. Not saying that Apple shows aren't going to be good, but they have to prove themselves before they can charge a premium price. And finally, on the Apple side, <laughs> there's a new iOS 13 bug, iOS 13 not even out, that allows you to access the contacts from the lock screen. It's a little bit of an, ex not a little bit, it is an exploit of the device, and hopefully Apple will get that patch, but they're basically getting ready to, to pat roll it out and ship it here, so it's going to ship day one, potentially with this bug, unless they get it fixed before it launched. And finally, uh, Google's Pixel 4 has fully leaked. There's a guy who got his hands on it, does like a deep dive video and all that good stuff. Here's... The other thing too, if you're thinking about buying a new phone, I would personally wait until the Google Pixel 4 gets announced. We shouldn't have to wait a couple more weeks here. I would think that Google will send out invites for their event. Reason being is then you'll have the Pixel 4, the iPhone 11, and Samsung Galaxy Note 10 to compare, cross shop. 
those three phones, you will be happy with any in, any one of them. And then you'll be able to figure out which is the best phone, best price, best device for your life. So just keep that in mind. On the gaming side, gaming side, Apple Arcade obviously also announced this month, announced this week coming for five bucks a month. I'm going to do a video, I think probably next week, a little bit deeper dive on some stuff. Um, but it looks like a good value. It, it really, really does, um, especially if you play a lot of mobile games. Uh, hearing, this isn't cemented in stone, but hearing that there have been departures from 343 yet again. And so just keep an eye on this space. Keep an eye on the space of what's happening with executive turnover at uh, 343. Just, we'll just throw that out there. Uh, Gears 5 also appears to be pretty well received. Generally speaking, there's obviously going to be groups that don't like the game style, the, the on-rails uh, play of it. But generally speaking, it looks like Gears 5 hit the mark for what it needed to do. Obviously, the long-tailed future will tell the true story, but out of the gate, it seems like it has done pretty well. It actually surpassed um, Fortnite, I believe, on Mixer for streaming. And so there you go. I mean, that's not the perfect, um, it's not the perfect look at like how well it's done, but it's definitely not hurting anything by any means. And other things too, uh, the Xbox One all digital edition pricing is now almost always pegged at around about $200 on Amazon. That is my opinion, roughly the right price point. It's $203 if I remember correctly. And then uh, one with a disk drive on Battlefield, I think it's 230-ish. And remember the all digital comes with, what is it, Forza, Minecraft, but all these are like we're in Game Pass now, so it doesn't even matter anymore. Um, but anyways, it comes with those three games. What I'm looking for is this holiday season, the Black Friday sales. I think the all digital edition is gonna be the one that gets the big price cuts. And so that should do it. All right, let's jump into the Q&A here, folks. Q&A, Q&A, Q&A is what we're doing today. Hit the refresh on that thread. All right, Jmog Dog says, Brad, first post ever. Welcome, welcome to the forums. Uh, after lurking as a premium subscriber since launch, wow, he's been hanging around for a while. My question is hypothetical. If Windows and Office were to just disappear, what OS would you gravitate towards, Mac or Linux? Uh, would you, uh, would you, if you didn't have to leave for the horsepower of a PC, just move over towards a tablet or a Chromebook instead? I often wonder what a Windows a post-Windows future would look like as an IT manager and someone heavily invested into the Microsoft ecosystem. It was If I was no longer needing a full PC, where would I go? Very interesting question because there's, there's some couple caveats there. Uh, if I needed the horsepower and the performance and the stability, I would honestly probably go to Mac OS. That is probably where I would end up. Now, if I didn't need things to just kind of seamlessly work and be refreshed easily. For example, this podcast studio box, I need this thing to be rock steady. I don't wanna be tinkering with anything despite the fact that I do it all the time. I need it to just work. On this machine, I would probably go Mac OS. Personal device? That's a good question. I could, I would probably jump over to like Ubuntu would probably be my guess is where I'd end up. I've, I still play around with it. I have a VM of it um, upstairs. Chromebook is fine. Uh, iPad OS is mostly fine, but I like the I like I like Ubuntu. Um, I, I think they've done a good job of making a a kind of almost consumer ready version of the of the desktop environment. And I think I can have a lot of fun going in there and, and tinkering around as I like to do. So it's a, it's a good question though. Um, but on a, the, the other caveat there is on a mobile device, like say not a phone, but a laptop that I would take to the beach. Um, more than likely it would be a Chromebook or iPad OS where it's just 
you know, just casual answer a couple emails and do nothing else. But because I do a lot of video editing on the road, I know you caveat it and say it, I would then take a MacBook Pro if I had to. But hopefully that future doesn't ever arrive because currently my video editing machine on the road is this guy back here, the Surface Book 2, which by the way, I don't think Surface Book's gonna get revved at this hardware event. Um, still digging around on that, but not quite sure that's gonna happen. My video editing machine on the road is still at Service Book 2. It's still a great device. I still like it despite its flaws. Uh, NGC224 says, has Microsoft given up on Continuum? I believe they have. Um, we, we haven't heard anything about it. It was primarily tied to Windows Mobile, and we all know the story of Windows Mobile. Okay, so his question is, Andreas says, what are the odds of teasing and showing off Centaurus and Windows Lite? Uh, they need a hero device for it, but keep postponing it. Uh, partners are going to show new modern devices with an old OS. So what do I think? I think Microsoft, I, I worry about light OS. And from what I know, I, I what I hope is that it is genuinely a new take on an operating system that doesn't just sort of look vaguely like Windows because that is not, I don't think that's going to help Microsoft. They've either got to hit that button and like do a real hardcore refresh or just stop screwing around and just admit that they're not going to be playing in that low end. Um, so I hope that Windows Lite is that refresh. I've heard that they're taking pretty big and bold steps, but at the end of the day, if it's just a lightly retuned version of Windows, that's not, I don't think that's honestly going to help them quite yet. The odds of them showing a Centaurus device, I think are pretty good. Microsoft's got something up their sleeve. I don't quite know what it is yet, um, but I, I think there's a pretty good chance that we're going to see something different that we have not seen before, and, and I mean not just a refresh or a spec bump of an existing device. So, uh, an old Amiga user says, uh, do you think that CoreOS, LightOS is going to skew more towards Windows or more towards Chrome OS? That is a very good question. It seems to me as if they're if they make it capable of running Win32 apps, it will defeat the purpose. It will be too complex or easy to maintain and quickly. Okay, so here's here's the one feature for me personally that I think would make Light OS work with Win32 apps. And I know Microsoft has this technology. I just don't know if it's ready yet. If they can truly sandbox Win32 applications, truly sandbox them, that would be an acceptable way to run them on uh, light OS. Granted, we all know there's something in a sandbox, especially probably how these devices are targeted. It might take a performance hit and it may not be ideal, but it could be a way that they do that because obviously they're going to need the applications, although uh, progressive web apps have been a big deal and are certainly going to help. All that being said, I tend to think it's going to gravitate more towards Chrome OS. That is where I hope it goes. On a related note, given the failure of Windows RT and Windows S mode, is there any possibility that Microsoft can make as a non-Windows device? Interesting. Or can we assume that they always, uh, da, 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 will they, hmm. A non-Windows device is a very, very interesting question, an old Amiga user. We will wait and find out what they've got in store for October. Uh, Ross Finney says, uh, do I understand correctly that if I get Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, my existing gold converts one to one? Yes, that is the absolute truth. So what you want to do before you go to Ultimate, go max out your gold subscription up to 36 months. Once you hit 36 months, um, there's no benefit. So, But once you hit 36 months, convert to, to Ultimate, and then you will get 36 months of Ultimate. Just, it, that is an incredible deal. Then you don't have to worry about this for three years. Three years, guys. 
three years of Game Pass, three years of Ultimate, three years of Gold. Uh, it's definitely worth it. That is what I did. I maxed it out, and there you go. Uh, KCN Noof says, based on the rampant Pixel 4 leaks, does Paul have any plans to trade in his Note 10 for a Pixel 4? I don't know, actually. Uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe he might. He tends to get always get the Pixel 4. So, Mr. PKI says, I thought I'd mix it up for you this week. He is asking many questions. He said, have you tried playing Gears 5 cross-platform like some of us in the premium community? Um, no, actually, I haven't. Typically, like, I like gaming... I personally like gaming on the Xbox. Uh, there are certain games that I will play on the PC. More than likely, the Microsoft Flight Simulator upcoming will be on the PC. And RTS games are what I play on the PC. I'm not so great at first-person shooters on the PC. Call me a console peasant. Call me whatever you want. I have not tried the cross-play, but I have played a lot of Gears 5 um, on the on the Xbox. I, it's in Game Pass, right? Go get your ultimate, and then you can play it for whatever. Um, so there you go. Avarado says, Brad, I've got two questions for you this week. Thinking about your phone, could you see this as a long-term solution to getting a phone into Windows 10 without having to search for separate apps within the OS? Hmm, interesting idea. My thinking right now is that your phone just emulates an Android phone, but I could see if the adoption increases with the app, why wouldn't Microsoft just start leveraging an ARM chip and having the phone app just act like a real phone like Windows Phone? I, it's not a, not a crazy idea. I could see this being useful years down the line and having one device pocketable. What are your thoughts? So you're not crazy, but I, I want to qualify this. You can already do this today. You can do this with Skype. You can get a Skype phone number and just use Skype as your mobile phone, right? You can, if you have a, a small form factor device like this Surface Go, with LTE, I can download Skype on any device, get a phone number, and when this is connected to the internet with LTE, it is, in fact, a phone. So, your idea here isn't crazy. My point here is your idea isn't crazy because you can already do this with certain Microsoft technologies. It may not be as streamlined, as integrated, potentially, as your phone will get, but that might be a direction that they head. My hope is that Microsoft makes it easy just to jump between carriers because even today, it's a real still pain in the butt to go from Verizon to T-Mobile and all that. I know sometimes you can SIM swap, but we're waiting for eSIM to fully catch on and be fully embraced by all the carriers who, candidly, probably don't want that because they don't want you to switch super easily. And so there you go. Uh, his next question is, with Windows Core OS on the horizon, would it be possible for Microsoft to replace the kernel one day? Wow if they so desired. Maybe a microkernel of some sort. So there's always two parts to this. Is it technically possible? Yes. Are they going to do it? So I think this is going to go back to true Win32 sandboxing because, because there's going to be a lot of compatibility issues if they switch the kernel out. We, we, there's a, going to be a lot of teething, a lot of trouble. Um, we've already seen some sort of those issues, just reason why they call it, couldn't call it Windows 9, because Windows 98, Windows 95, um, those API calls. If they could truly find a way to sandbox the, the Win32 environment, and I know people are going to call me out on this because I can already think of some examples, then it might be possible that they could switch the kernel out one day. It, it could be possible. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon because of the compatibility stuff, unless they have truly figured out a way to virtualize every single aspect of Windows. And if that's the case, then they have a huge change on their hand uh, in, in the positive, because then they can do a lot more things with security-related items. Um, they can also 
They can also kind of modify the OS in different ways if everything is truly virtualized. That is a big, big step. We'll see what they have up their sleeve. Uh, Andrew TechOps says, uh, with Microsoft event on October 2nd, NYC, is there going to be a meetup at a bar with yourself, Paul and Mary Jo? I don't know yet. Um, I can tell you that if there is a meetup, my wife will be there. My wife is coming with me. Our 10-year anniversary is on October 3rd. And so we're making a, a trip out of it uh, up to New York. And so with that caveat too, even if there is a meetup, I don't know if I will be there. Typically, the event days are very, very busy. So I, 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 my, the long answer with the short response is I don't know yet. Uh, we don't know yet. Uh, Matt Thine says, you picked up an iPhone yet to buy, or you picked an iPhone yet to buy. No, I haven't because the, I have de decided I am sticking with my phone last from last year. I don't need a new phone. My phone appears to work perfectly fine. Um, it, there's not enough on that iPhone pro side to get me to jump over there. My wife is the one who needs a phone. And so once they're all out, we'll just walk into the store and figure out which one she wants. And then we'll trade in her iPhone seven and, uh, and get that upgrade, um, relatively cheap because I think they're giving 150 bucks for that iPhone 7 minus about 699 and you can do the math that's not too terrible uh, she typically keeps her phones two years and I do worry about the 5g thing so that three years might be a bit tough so we will we'll see how that shakes out uh, Usman says I've read a lot about teams being a great success anecdotally at a different startup and enterprises that I've worked at they've been reluctant to move over to teams keeping Skype for business and slack uh, in tandem or moving to Slack and Zoom combo while keeping Office 365. Is Teams uh, really, is Teams relying on existing companies shifting away from Skype for business rather than capturing new Teams Office 365 customers? Good question. So to summarize here, he's trying to understand is the growth truly organic or is it people just saying, well, crap, we got to leave Skype for business and we're moving to Teams. It's a healthy dose, healthy dose, healthy dose of both, because you're right. Microsoft has officially drawn a line in the sand and says, hey, Skype for Business is going away in a couple of years. You have to migrate. The second thing they're also doing now is anybody who signs up new for Office 365, they're automatically rolling enrolling them into Teams rather than Skype for Business. So there is some organic growth there, but you're right. A lot of it is migration. Actually, my neighbor um, down the street, we were having beers last weekend and she works for a very large enterprise, one of the largest companies on the earth. And they currently have Skype for Business and they're starting their migration to Teams. And so that's why I say a lot of it is just that Skype for Business legacy just moving over. So, uh, yeah, I mean, th there is definitely a bundle out there that makes sense of G Suite, uh, Slack, and Zoom. Like these companies need to like join up and build their own subscription service because that is kind of the, the entire package. And I'm surprised that Google may not um, snatch up all of them and then build their own suite. That would actually be a pretty compelling offering uh, from the Googs. So there you go, guys. Uh, awesome show this week. I, that, is, that is really putting myself on a high horse. Awesome questions this week. Hopefully you guys had a wonderful time. We'll catch all of you right back here next time.